Welcome to Real Life Podcast Conversations from Live Foursquare Church. We invite you to dive deeper into the more difficult topics of faith with us. Have you struggled to find understanding in biblical topics not often taught about from the pulpit? We may not have all the answers, but we are committed to the ongoing conversation as we search God's Word together. Your hosts are Mark and Lynn Cooper. We are local pastors. This show is our attempt at answering questions in greater depth than a sermon would allow. We look forward to the dialogue and conversations your questions will bring. You can email us at reallife at visitlife.org. This podcast will cover many biblical topics, some fun, some serious, and some will simply pique your interest. This podcast is sponsored by Life Foursquare Church and pushed by Austin Hemmen and Lauren Johnston. This week is week one of our new topic as we have closed out our discussion on end times. Um, Of course, I do think that we will probably pick that topic back up again at some point, but week one is our beginning of talking about politics and church, kind of what we were told never to talk about, right? It's fitting, seeing as that we are in the midst of an election and actually drawing near the end of an election, um, actually recording this podcast on Election Day. And so uh, obviously this is a topic that has lots of different taboos about it, perspectives. Um, Where do you start as you start talking about politics and church? Um, You know, we approach it. I think I could more easily answer the question, where do we not want to start than where I do want to start, right? I think we've all had the conversations of, ooh, I now know not to go there with them or that was not a good place to go. Right. That potentially hazardous conversations. And so let's just begin with saying that um, politics are neither good or bad. People can behave in a good way and people can behave in a bad way in everything that they do. And politics is no exception. Yeah, I think politics are neutral in themselves. However, they tend to engage very polarizing topics and beliefs, which we know creates um, issues among people because we're humans. Absolutely. And so let's begin with the elephant in the room and let's just say that we're going to have a conversation about uh, our faith in Christ and politics, but that that both of those are going to come from a Western mindset Correct. because we are American and we are our entire culture and civilization is Greco-Roman. It bases out of the Greek foundations of Western thought. And so we are coming at a we're coming at a topic uh and maybe need to do a little bit of backtracking to yes. get to a place where our biblical idea like actually what was Jesus doing and what was his environment is a little more aligned with how we might mm-hmm. think because it's very contrary to the way we see life and the way we operate in politics so yeah, let's let's build a foundation here before we really dive into politics. And just a side note, understand we are not going to be choosing a political party. We are not backing any sort of 
uh, person or politician. This is simply a conversation that I believe so many are having or looking to have. And that is how does my faith and politics work together and not create division? I think we are living in a time where politics and beliefs have created so much division. And I don't believe that it has to. I believe that the enemy has wanted it to and and the enemy has been successful. So let's let's lay some groundwork here and really discuss the political system in which Jesus operated. And the reason I want to start there is when we want to learn how should I behave, what should I think, our, our thoughts as Christians, as believers should be, let me look in the Bible. Well, my Bible, and I'm, I'm pretty secure in saying your Bible, doesn't say you should vote Republican or Democrat. Nope. Right. Okay. Mine doesn't doesn't either. So, so we need to look to Jesus for, um, a model by which we can begin to, to define our beliefs and, and even how we want to operate. And of course, we always want to say prayer is a great place for you to hear from the Lord and in which direction to vote. But we can also gain some great wisdom and understanding from God's word. And so we're going to start with the political system. So Mark, give us some information. What we do know is that during this time of ministry, Jesus was ministering in a nation that was, um, that was overtaken. Was like, occupied. He, he literally was in an occupied nation, his entire ministry. So the, the, the let's break this down and Lynn, don't let me take more than a minute or two on this. Okay. So essentially what you have is you have Julius Caesar. Julius Caesar is assassinated. You have uh, Augustus and Mark Anthony. In the process of that civil war, um, the Jewish people, Herod, and and some of the other Jewish leaders secure not an alliance because it would require that they be equal with Rome to establish an alliance, but a subservient um independence. Okay. So they are occupied, but allowed to maintain their culture and not every occupied country or culture in Rome was allowed that freedom, but Israel was, they were seen more as a subordinate or subservient, uh, nation than they were an occupied nation. Now, granted you had Roman rulers in Palestine at that time, you had, um, legions you had many, many soldiers, Roman soldiers. Okay, so Jesus is growing up and raised up within a system that is a quagmire politically. You have the Roman politics of the day, and and that changed frequently and often. Uh, and then you also had the political system of the Jews, which was a religious and... Uh, you, you could not separate the political and religious aspects of their of their of their system. They had Pharisees and Sadducees. You had a chief priest. All of these are your political players, and they are your religious leaders. Correct. So, so what we can gather here is that their politics were derived, their government was derived from a theocracy as Jews. Yes. What we need to understand, or better yet, let me just ask this question. Is our government derived from a theocracy? No, not in the least bit. 
yet sometimes we speak about our government as though it was derived from a theocracy. Yes. We we uh, sometimes especially the the Christian right um really wishes that or wants to even say that our founding fathers really were developing this theocracy. No, 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 they were not. And they did not. Um, the theocracy that you saw early in the, the establishment of Israel as a nation was essentially operated through the judges and and through Samuel, the first of the prophets. They quickly exited that because they were not content with it into a monarchy type uh, rule, a, monar- a monarchy system of govern- governance. And so this theocracy, which was what God intended, the 12 tribes would vote together, would, would share allegiance together, and they would hear from God or from the man of God or from the judge that God raised up, and they would all work together. This is them being led by God, which is what he wanted. Our American system is not that, never has been that. As a matter of fact, we've put in place guards to keep that from being what we mm-hmm. experienced. And the reason for that, as much as people would say, we would love to live in a theocracy. No, we wouldn't. I'll tell you, uh, the the way that we would do it and the way that we would see it is my version of following Jesus. My version of Correct. faith is the way we're all going to do it. And if you don't like that, then I'm going to punish you or restrict you or eliminate you. Right. The reason I said, no, we wouldn't is not because I would not love to see God be a part of every decision our nation makes. It is because we can't be in agreement on, on the essential things as believers of Christ. And we think that we could be in sync on all things. It, It could never happen without the miraculous taking place. And so we can't do that as a church, let alone as a nation. Right, right. And so uh, the 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 thing to remember about our system is that we have placed guards that are to protect the church. Some interpret the separation of church and state as a protection of the state. It is not, and it never was meant to be that. It was a it was a separation to protect the church and the religious freedoms of the people of that country. But not to not to not to cooperate or participate in a theocracy. That is not the system we have. What we have is a representative democracy where we decide who's going to represent us in government. Right. And those people then write draft laws and then the judicial system determines whether those laws are constitutional based off of our opening constitution, our 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 the constitution that we began or or drafted as a fledgling nation. Very good. So what we have to understand, if you've followed this podcast, we've talked a few times about the difference between exegesis and eisegesis of scripture, which means I don't read God's word looking to support what I believe. I read God's word knowing that his word will be what, what, determines my belief and my motives, right? And so what we have to recognize is that in the Bible, you do not see the type of of government by which we are living in as American Christians. You see God appointing leaders. There's a word for that. What's that word? What's the word that, that is 
is a word we'd be familiar with. We don't typically like it in America. It's not our favorite word. It's called sovereignty. sovereignty. And so as we recognize that God used that means to appoint leaders, we we can't then take everything we saw and now try and fit it into our means of of appointing leaders, which is to vote and to elect. So we have to to read God's word and look at how Jesus operated with the government system of the time to then form some some real understanding of how we need to operate and um, participate in our government. Now, I I do believe that as believers, this is Lynn, by the way, this is not a biblical um, stance, but I do believe that it is our Christian duty as believers to vote and participate in our government. However, I, I do believe that there is some order to priority of how we allow uh, the politics and, and the, the world rule our life. And by that, I, I simply mean as believers, we must fix our eyes on Jesus and keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. Very good. So let's talk just as we bring this to a place where we've we've d- defined a little bit of of what our political our political system is of of what our religious system is of of how America contrasts with ancient Israel. But uh, it brings us to a question that's really just a straightforward question: Did Jesus get involved politically? Uh, in his <laughs> ministry, was he politically driven? Was he politically involved? And you can answer that in in a couple different ways. Yeah, I I think it is a little bit of how you are reading some areas of scripture. I would say that he had to engage um, things politically. However, I don't believe he was politically driven. Very good. I love that. Uh, he, he was kingdom driven. Correct. Right? And and not politically. So did Jesus get politically involved or enmeshed within the workings of the Jewish government uh, or the, the, the region of Palestine? Yes and no. What we see through gospel and through scripture is that Jesus was constantly, nearly constantly engaging the Jewish leaders, both religious and political leaders of his day. But remember, they were derived from a theocracy. And so there really was not a separation between church and state, if you will, or their their politics and their belief as far as a nation and a church. Absolutely. And so what we see here is that he does engage the system that is both Jewish politic and Jewish religion, mm-hmm. inseparable. Do we ever see him engage the Roman political system? I don't believe we see him engage politically. I do believe we see him respond to what they choose to engage this question to him, right? So they want him to engage politically, and he responds. But I believe the engagement is really what we would refer to as a disengagement, if you will. Absolutely. And that is a perfect example of maybe even the stance that we begin to understand and take as we engage politics and our faith. When, When question about whether or not one should pay taxes to Caesar and and Caesar or Rome is an occupying nation. So would you please let's backtrack here. Tell me why 
that question was a political question of the day. The, the reason it was a political question is because there was an underlying demand and a desire with it. There, there always has been. Listen, as many times as the nation of Israel has gone through occupation, they've never been good at it. They always revolt. They always struggle with it. They always press for freedom and they always are troublemakers as far as being conquered or subdued. And so in the time of Christ, um, on both fronts, the political and the religious front, you were looking for some way to relieve yourself that the Isra- the nation of Israel was looking for some way to relieve itself of its oppressors. And so the question is really, uh, should we rebel? Should we, should we, is it right for us with, with, is it right for us within our religious political system to pay taxes to a pagan, to a, 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 a a conquering nation that is not, that is a, a Gentile nation. It's not a God-honoring nation. Should we pay taxes to them? And they knew no, how, no matter how Jesus answered that, they had him. Because right. if he said yes, then he's not Jewish. He's not the Messiah. Mm-hmm. He's not supporting yeah. the nation of Israel. And if he said no, then turn him over to the Romans. Right. So, so correct me here, but this was not a question about money. No. This was not a question about just taxes. This was a very politically driven question with intent. And you're right. They were looking to catch him, if you will, or or trap him. He gives a beautiful answer to their question, wanting to to bring some entrapment. Yeah, they're looking to catch him. And when Jesus answers, he asks, whose face do they find on the coin? And obviously their answer is, well, Caesar's face is on the coin. And so Jesus says, well, give to Caesar what is Caesar's and give to God what is God's. And so in doing this, he, he says rightly, he, he misses this trap, and, and, and what he says is, yes, engage politically. Give to Caesar what is Caesar's. And yes, engage spiritually. Give to God what is God's. They want two different things. And so we see the problem with politics and religion. When we seek to live our lives in a way that is holy and fundamentally within this world, we're missing out on the things of kingdom. And when we seek to live our lives wholly and fundamentally in just a way that is seeking the kingdom, we miss out on the things in this world. There right. are things that we're to do. There are things that we're to. That's why, listen, you'll always hear me encourage people to run for office. That's run right. for city office. Run for school board office. Run for county office. Run for every form of government that your heart wants you to run for. Because if we have people who love the Lord serving in those positions— then I can tell you at least one thing, whether I like their decision or not, I know they're honoring God. That's right. So, so let's close in, in this direction. We have a, a famous line that is on several of our coins, coins that you would find in America. Yeah. And that phrase is E pluribus unum. And Tell us what that means and the significance of what that means. I love this phrase. Actually, I'm holding a coin in my hand right now. You can't see it, but I see it. And it's a 1921 Morgan silver dollar. And then I I wasn't sure that it was on our current coins, but I looked and I have several very current. I have a quarter, a dime, and a nickel, and a penny. And you'll find this phrase on all of them, e pluribus unum. It's a Latin phrase, and what it means is uh, out of many, one. Out of many, one. So this speaks to 
unity. And I love the connection here. I think if, if there's something that we can pull and gather from this season of life, it is there is power in numbers. There's power in unity. And we as believers are unstoppable. <laughs> when we would determine that we're not going to let the little things of theology stand in our way, but we are going to be people of purpose and walk out God's mission and understand that is who we are. And that's where our eyes need to be focused on. You know, the story of the Tower of Babel gets a lot of bad rap. But there's a really cool phrase that God says in there. And, and it's when everybody's working together to build this this building to, to reach heaven is their goal. Yeah. And there's a point where God makes a very strong statement. And he he says. He says they're unified completely in everything they do and anything they put their hearts to will be possible for them. Nothing is out of reach for them. It's as a matter of fact, it's the only time in scripture. God says mm -hmm. that about a, a group of people. So imagine, imagine if that was our take as believers and we set aside the differences of how we voted, the differences of what, what things we supported financially and with our time. And we decided to let this scripture that I'm getting ready to read in Ephesians be our motto, if you will. And I'm reading this from the message um, translation, and it's Ephesians 4, 4 through 6. You are all called to travel on the same road and in the same direction. So stay together, both outwardly and inwardly. You have one master, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all who rules over all works through all and is present in all. Everything you are and think and do is permeated with oneness. The more and more that I read God's word and, and learn about our Lord and savior, I've learned this, that. He is so good and wants to be in relationship with all of us. And he wants all of us to be in unity. And I believe that is the heart of our father. What would happen if we decided that that would be our purpose and our mission? You know, the beautiful thing that is absolutely so true about who we are as followers of Christ and the, the very fortunate thing for us as Americans is that lies at the foundation of who we are as a country. The, 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 the thoughts, the, even the political drive of America early in its birth and its foundation as a nation was this statement, e pluribus unum, out of many one. It didn't matter what country you were from. It didn't matter what your past was. It didn't matter what your religion was. It didn't matter if you were a, 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 a former slave, a former convict, uh, it didn't matter because you could come here mm -hmm. and become one right. of us. And that sentiment needs to still be very strong within our political system. As we think of politics, 
in our nation. We need to hold true to the values mm-hmm. that were set early on, both in our nation and in our faith. Jesus, Jesus is that, is that one head, is that, is that one Lord. Jesus unifies the church. We are his body. And, and honestly, we see that echoed. America and the founding fathers of America didn't come up with that on their own. They modeled that after their faith. And so if we will continue to carry on that conversation, just saying, I wonder what that looks like in today's world. I wonder how we start to think that way and dialogue that way with one another. I wonder how we cross the aisle, even amongst denominations, uh, within our own church, within the greater church body, but how we also do that politically. Uh, we will see unity. We will. Because because it's God's will and desire for his people. And so our, our encouragement to you is to really think about that statement. What uh, Lynn ended her, her thought with, what would happen? What would we see? You know, it's a great time to ask that. Because tonight they're going to bring in uh, the polls. They're going to start calculating votes at some point in the near future. We're going to see what the, f- the direction of our nation is uh, as far as leadership. And there is great need for people to, to be unified. Unity, Lynn, doesn't mean necessarily that you agree on everything. It means that you agree on the one thing, right. the primary things, right? So thank you for this time. Thank you for joining us. We would love to hear your thoughts about today's topic. Send us an email at reallife at visitlife.org or give us your feedback. Real Life is a weekly podcast ministry of Life Foursquare Church in Decatur, Illinois. We hope you have a great week and look forward to continuing our conversation next time.